Hans-Joseph Fell was a member of German Parliament from 1998 to 2013, where he drafted the 2000 Renewable Energy Sources Act. This law has since been replicated over 100 times and can be seen as the legal prototype for the rollout of renewables. In 2006, with a group of other parliamentarians and scientists, Fell created the Energy Watch Group, wherein, as president, he utilizes his vast expertise in energy and climate politics to foster political dialogue and public discourse. Fell has received many accolades for his work, including the Louis J. Wu Prize for his lifetime achievement in environmental and climate policy, the Order of Merit of the Federal Republic of Germany, and the Nuclear Free Future Award. Hans-Joseph Fell, welcome to the One Planet podcast. Hello, Mia. And so if COVID-19 is a pandemic, it seems like the damage done to human life by our fossil fuel dependency and climate crises is some kind of a plague. We have so many deaths per year through pollution and the effects of climate change, but no one is shutting down society to solve this problem. What are your strategies for stopping the climate emergency and reaching 100% renewable energy? Yeah, COVID-19 is a pandemic that is an outcome of this wrong going with the humankind, with the environment. Plenty scientists on climate issues forecasted that we will see more and more pandemics, more and more sickness of the people and plenty more. For example, we have about 8 million people died on air pollution every year over the globe. So when we want to save their lives, that they do not become ill, we have to stop air pollution. And you know, mostly air pollution comes from the chimneys and from the cars who pollute the air. When we stop this, we have immediately the same with climate protection. Because stopping greenhouse gas emissions means in the same time, stop air pollution emissions. So climate protection is the best contribution to healthcare for the humankind. Yes, and you've spent your life, you know, communicating this message, even when it was not such a popular opinion, people didn't want to listen, I've been beginning to listen. And now what's heartening, you have that recent decision by Germany's highest court to expand the 2019 law aimed at bringing the country's carbon emissions down. And it's those young plaintiffs who stood up for their future and helped set a new standard for climate protection as a human right. What are your views on this? And can this be done around the world? Yes, we had plenty of people who went to the high court in Germany, youth people as well as elder people, all together told to the public, we have a big threat. We must fear that the global warming will lead to extinction of human society, not in 100 years but in some decades, and it is very serious. So they begged the high court to make a decision that climate protection is completely necessary. And the high court decided it. He told that all the today's people have to pay attention for the coming people, for the today's children, grandchildrens, and others, and later, and grand-grandchildren, and all together. It is not allowed by our basic law that the today's people pollute the environment, pollute the climate, to let back a future that is not livable for the young people. And this is a tremendous, very good decision, because it forced now the German government to do more for climate protection. And in the same time, it is telling they did too less in the past. And we have to accelerate, therefore, it very fast. And the nature background is very clear. We should speak about this. Yeah, the nature background is clear. In the 80s or in the 60s, we already learned from the scientists that global warming is very serious for the humankind. And we could learn 
that more than 400 parts per million carbon dioxide in the atmosphere would be too heavy for the humankind to overlive. But today we have 420 parts per million carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. This means the atmosphere is already overloaded with climate gases. And we have not only to stop every emissions, the best would be immediately, but latest in 10 years. And we have also to take out the carbon from the atmosphere to reduce the carbon dioxide and methane and other greenhouse gases concentration in the atmosphere. In carbon dioxide, it is possible to reduce it. We can plant trees, we can reforest big areas, we can make an agriculture who bring a lot of carbon dioxide to the soil in, to make a humus and a fruitful soil. That's possible and we can do it. But in emissions, we have all the possibilities as well. We have to make zero emission technologies very fast and in the center of all these technologies are renewable energies. Renewable energies are so important because more than the half of all greenhouse gas emissions are emitted by the use of fossil oil, fossil gas, and fossil coal. Together with the business of nuclear power, they are the most important destroying of the world destroying of the environment. Therefore, the switch of all fossil and nuclear energy to a 100% renewable energy system is the most important pillar in the strategy of climate protection. And we have also go in other sectors, in material sector, to make a world with materials that do not create any waste, any pollution, any poison, and zero emission economy is necessary parallel to a carbon sinking agriculture and forestry system. Yeah, and you have an exciting new plan on, and strategy. I want to go into that. I also want to, for people to know if they haven't realized, if they haven't encountered uh, you or the um, Energy Watch Group, that certainly policies that you authored have been implemented or have been duplicated more or less in, in I guess, over 100 countries around the world. If you tell us a little bit about how, I want to hear about your new strategies, but how you drafted the Renewable Energy Sources Act and how this builds upon it and improves upon it. Yeah, this is a very long history. And it is longer than beginning in 2000 when we as a parliamentarian decided in the German Bundestag for this Renewable Energy Act. Long before, we had a lot of strategies from bottom up with plenty of people, environmental people, in the 70s already, when I was young, when I was a student, I learned that the pollution of the world is a very crazy and a very bad thing. And I wanted, did not want to have radioactivity waste. I did not want to have pollution with chemical waste. I did not want to have any pollution of the climate. And so I learned as a young student what would be necessary. And I learned in my student time as a physician, what I studied, that the sun brings us 10,000 times more energy per year what the humankind needs per year on energy. So I thought, what are we stupid in the world when we pollute the world with fossil and nuclear energies and have the sun radiation in so plenty amount that we never would have scarcity. And this was a seed for me in the 70s to go on. First on decentralized grassroot level a lot. I created in my hometown as a chancellor for my small hometown, 7,000 inhabitants in Hammelburg, a very small town. But we created the first feed-in tariff law for solar in the world. This means that every investor who wants to bring solar electricity to the grid 
gets a clear feed-in tariff that he can make a profitable business with it. And this basic was revolutionary. It was scaled up in some other towns in Germany. And in 1998, when I was elected with the Green Party to the German Bundestag, I wanted to have a national law with this basic. I formulated it and I found a lot of other colleagues in the parliament from the social democratic side, mostly Hermann Scheer, and from the green side. And we had a small majority in the parliament, but it was enough to make this revolutionary law in 2000. And indeed, it made an exponential growth rates for renewable energies, solar, wind power, hydropower, for bioenergy on a sustainable way, not cutting rainwoods for bioenergy. We must go to a sustainable way with it. And geothermal is very important. And we set the seed in this time. And it made wind power and solar power now, 15 years later or 20 years later, to the cheapest solution for energy in the world. Solar and wind is now much cheaper than coal, than nuclear, than oil or gas power stations. And this brings now the ability for the humankind to make a very fast switch, to go to renewable energies, to zero emission energy is not a threat for the economy, it is a benefit for the economy. We have to bring this cheap energy now to all over the world. And this brings climate protection in the energy sector. Let's go on on this way and do it. I think it's so uh, beautiful and I think that I, I'm very hopeful as I look and I hope that everyone will be able to visit Energy Watch Group. You produce these wonderful newsletters. There's many ways that you can spread uh, the, the word and try to implement things in your own countries uh, with these very you know detailed and specific guidelines. Uh, the research you've done, is, if you've done is fantastic. And I think if I can think to the, the future that they may look back on us and say, why were they but they were pulling this out of the ground. They were burning it. It was so dirty and people were dying. And they would, they would laugh at us that we was just didn't know. But that's my, I, I look forward to that day when they, they laugh and as they look back at us. Yes, and it is very, very important that plenty, plenty people learn about these issues, how it is possible, why it is necessity. And they can see and speak with other people to convince them to go this pathway with us together. This is important because the business of fossil and nuclear and chemistry and um, polluting agriculture is the biggest business in the world. And the operator, the manager of this business, they want to go on with this business instead of the fact that they pollute the world. And we have to learn that we do not allow them. We have to stop them. They influence the politicians with fakes in scientists, climate denier fakes. They faked with arguments who do not sound in reality. For example, renewable energy would be fluctuable. The sun is coming when the sun wants to shine and not during night. And the wind is sometimes not blowing. Therefore, we need a base load for coal and nuclear power. No, it isn't. We can add up to solar and wind, bioenergy, hydropower, and geothermal. They are very stable energies all over the year. And we can add up storages, batteries, and hydropump power stations. And we can add up hydrogen, green hydrogen, only green hydrogen from renewable energies, and can add up it so that the whole year, on every hour, we can create our electricity, heating, and transport system only with renewables. I know what I'm speaking about because my house is served in 
energy, my electric car, my electricity demand, my heat demand, only by renewable energies. Even in the cold and very dark winter time in Germany, you know we have sometimes two months with nearly no solar radiation and others. But I have it, the energy. I have a mix of solar and of a cogeneration machine with pure vegetable oil. And with this cogeneration machine, I make my heat and electricity and I have every time. I cut off the grid and show the world it is possible to have your own energy all over the time. And it is cheaper than I would be at the grid. Now, you've mentioned nuclear energy a couple times, and I know that there are a lot of people out there who think that nuclear energy is the future of energy. But could you tell me a little bit about why you disagree with that and some of the problems with nuclear energy? Yeah, so nuclear people, they want to tell to the humankind they would be emission-free. They are not emission-free. I know what they emit. A lot of radioactivity on the chimneys direct in the area where the power, nuclear power plant is. They have a lot of emissions of nuclear waste. No one in the world knows today how to deal with the nuclear waste. Look to Fukushima. They had a big accident and now the government decided in their need to bring all this radioactivity water into the ocean. They want to pollute the whole world with radioactivity. No, nuclear power is not an option. Besides of the fact that the nuclear power stations are the basic to produce nuclear weapons. I do not like wars. I fear nuclear weapons. I want that they vanish from the world. And the source for nuclear weapons are the nuclear power stations. They have to vanish from the world as well. We want a clear world and nuclear power as well is too expensive. Look to USA. In this year, six operators of nuclear power stations will close them with the argument, solar, wind and batteries are cheaper than to produce with existing nuclear power. No, nuclear power makes no sense. We do not need them. They pollute us too much and are a threat for peace. And yes, I, I love the strength of that message. We're, sometimes we get confused by yes, not feeling that there is a, a clear option, but the clearness of your options. Tell us also about, I want to hear a little bit more how that may work in practice in terms of the new legislations that you would propose for Germany and hopefully for around the world. And, and to also just tell us a little bit about, for those who don't know, the Energy Watch Group. Yeah, the Energy Watch Group is a think tank, a network of scientists on global level, as well as parliamentarians on global level. And our mission is we want to bring good scientific reports on renewable energies and climate protections and advise the politicians how to make laws and what laws are the best one to come to climate protection and to renewable energies. In 2006, I founded it as a parliamentarian because I wanted to show my members of the parliament scientific reports that underline that renewable energies would be the best. But I could not nearly found anyone there. The most scientific reports were made from scientists who are combined with the fossil and with the nuclear industry. They made the business on scientific level for this fossil and nuclear industry. No, it makes no sense. Until today, the most go this way. They are paid from them and therefore they bring the messages what they want to hear. And they influence the politicians that they don't believe we could not uh, switch to renewable energies. Yes, perhaps in 100 years, but not um, in, in a decade. All are fakes, but these fakes dominate the debate in the world. Look to the scientific reports from the International Energy Agency in Paris. They made reports 
in the last decades that only fossil and nuclear could save the security of energy in the world. Renewables would take too long and they would be too expensive. And when you look to the details of the studies, you will find that they, they every time took figures for solar and wind, what they would cost, that are in the reality much cheaper than they forecasted for the future. Today cheaper than they forecasted for the future. So they influenced with fake scientists, and it is not only this board, plenty others all over the world, and we have to change it. Yes, Energy Watch Group is very small. I have a team with four persons, and I have to fight to get the money for them. It is not easy. I have to beg for funding and it is hard to work with it when anyone wants to support us we would be happy and we would love it because we do not get any money from fossil and nuclear industry they don't love us and therefore it is not so easy but we could manage it and we could show together with partners for example la penranta university in finland professor christian Breyer. he makes a very good work and two years ago, we published a scientific study that shows that the whole world, on every hour, the whole year, in all energy sectors, electricity, transport, heating, cooling, industry, desalination for clean water, and plenty others, that all this energy could be covered by 100% renewables. And this report is also an economic report. It shows such a system brings cheaper energy to the people than the today's existing fossil and nuclear system. So we have already the scientific report about it. And we make plenty other reports on small level, regions, towns, and others and show the people that they can discuss. That's one thing what we have to do. The other thing is, how can we overcome this existing system? And I learned in the past that the biggest profit is earned in the fossil and nuclear energy sector. And I set the target People must earn money with clean energy, with renewable energies, and not with polluting energy. What is it a great world that the most people earn money with polluting the world? We have to switch the system. And this is the basic thinking of the feed-in tariff law. Everyone who produces clean renewable energies, he is allowed to go to the grid you cannot refuse him. And he must be paid for every kilowatt hour what he brings to the grid with an amount that would be profit for him. In the past, in 2000, yes, it was expensive. It took about $1 per kilowatt hour. And now we stay at about seven or eight cents per kilowatt hour. Even in some regions at three cents with free field photovoltaics, rooftops with eight cents per kilowatt hour. So you see that it is now very cheap and the people who invest into wind power can earn money with it. But they need a basic law, a law that brings them to the situation that they have it easy. In Germany, the Renewable Energy Act made it easy for every investor. We had nearly no bureaucracy, no obstacles against it until 2010 or 12. Afterwards, the government began to amend this law very often. And with every amending, we had more and more obstacles. 
And today, this law is a bureaucracy monster that every people who want to ask to, to invest into renewables have first learned with advocates and with the justice, how can I do it? Very, very difficult for them. And it switched, and that's very important, the government switched from feed-in tariff that is ruled by the parliament law, now switched to an auctioning system. This means the government set out an amount of investing volume and everyone can take part on this auctioning and hopes to win, but plenty do not win. A lot of investors go out very empty, have no chance. Or the bureaucracy to take part is so intensive that small actors cannot take part. Private people, farmers, cooperatives, people, millions of people, they invested in Germany with decentralized democratic people, millions of them. They invested in Germany until 2015, 80% of all renewable investment. It was not the big four utilities, E.ON, RWE, Vattenfall, or ENBW. They did not invest into renewables, only a very few amount for advertising that they would be take part, but they did not take part. It was a society, new people. But with the amending, the switch, all this was cancelled. We have no new cooperatives. We have nearly no investment only in rooftop solar. This is exempted from auctioning system. Therefore, we have a little bit role in rooftop, but much too less. So we have to come back to this feed-in tariff set by the law with the principles what we had in 2000. And then the revolution will go very fast. Now the technology is cheap and we will see a technology revolution like we had sometimes in the world. You remember in 1980, we had no laptops on the world. There were some, some students in Stanford and California, they worked on laptops. People loved a computer for everyone. Is that possible? No, it will never come, said the chief of IBM to them. 10 years later, we had the laptops all over the world. It took 10 years. We had mobile phones on the world, not only in Germany and USA, but also in Nigeria or in um, China and everywhere on the world. Most revolutions of technologies have a 10 years time for covering up the whole one. When? When they are not hindered to do it, but the governments hinder it. Now not in USA with the presidency of President Biden. Now we see first time a big support for renewables. And we see now it comes very fast. For example, in the first two months on President Biden's government, January and February, the new investment into energy in USA was 99.8 percentage only renewables. Nothing in natural gas, nothing in oil, nothing in coal, no new nuclear power station. Now, beginning with this year, USA is in good way. And we have other examples in the world. For example, Costa Rica, a small country in middle America, has already 100% renewables in the electricity sector. And they want to have it in all energy sectors by 2025. And I know they will achieve it. So we have the best examples. And we have good laws in some regions. California has a very good renewable energy law and has a target to go to 100% renewables and plenty other states in USA have it as well. But Europe is was in 2000 until 2010, the main leader in the world for renewables and climate protection. 
but it was. With the government of Chancellor Merkel, it changed to obstacles, to hinders, to bureaucracy and others. And therefore, we have to change the system. And therefore, it is very important to propose good law basics. And we from the Energy Watch Group do it. In 2010, in the small state Bavaria in Germany, where more solar PV installed than in Japan and USA together. Only an outcome from the people who did it. It was not supported by the Bavarian government. It was only supported by the people to do it. And this shows how strong the people are when they themselves do it. And when you help and you do it with your activities to influence the people and to do it, then that will come. And I will give one lesson from my life to the today's young people. I learned all these ideas, the targets, what I wanted in the 70s when I was a young student. And all my life, I worked on it. Yes, I had a lot of obstacles. I learned a lot of people who told me only crazy, stupid, unrealistic, but I did not hear to them. I collected plenty other people around me and we found networks and others and worked on our ideas, 100% renewables. And now we see we are on the winner side. You need a long breath, go on, let you not stop by the polluters of the world. In the end, you will win. It has truly been a pleasure to speak with Hans Joseph Fell and take in all he has to say in this interview. My name is Cleopatra El-Rashidi, and I'm a double major in philosophy and sociology at Brown University. As a young person, I personally am just at the beginning of my journey towards sustainability, and seeing Hans-Joseph Fell's lifelong advocacy and dedication to the environment is inspiring. Hans-Joseph Fell has so much to say about the reality of clean energy, and it is truly fascinating. The simple truth of the matter is that there is a lot of misinformation out there. Whether it's coming from lobbyists or government systems themselves, there is an entire industry out there committed to persuading the populace into believing that clean energy is impossible, that the technology is inefficient, expensive, and infeasible. However, when we listen to scientists such as those at the Energy Watch Group, we learn that clean energy is not only possible, but necessary. And clean energy is more affordable than oil and fossil fuels. One might wonder why it even matters for citizens to understand the importance of clean energy when the governments in power are often found campaigning against clean energy and actively preventing the use of clean energy, whether through the establishment of bureaucratic red tape or the vehement support of the very energy sources that are killing our planet. As an individual who works to advance environmental bills on a state level, only to be met by powerful lobbyists churning out misinformation, I share that frustration. I feel that powerlessness in the face of the oh-so-powerful structures that control our society. However, as we can see from Hans-Joseph Fell, change is coming, and political change goes hand-in-hand hand with social change. When the people decide we want something, we are a force to be reckoned with. With every individual that uses clean energy, we prove to the oil and fossil fuel industries that we don't need them. We also prove this to ourselves, and our neighbors, and our very nations. As Hans-Joseph Fell said, A couple decades ago, the idea of everyone owning a personal computer was laughable. But now, more people in the world have access to mobile phones than toilets. My personal mission is to help toss misinformation aside, and arm people with the knowledge they need to fight for themselves and this planet. Hans-Joseph Fell does some amazing work towards that same goal. So let's remember to not only listen, but to be critical of what we hear, and to share the truths we come across. Because as soon as we know we are being lied to, the groups lying to us become significantly less powerful.
So I hear you talking really passionately about the role of people and people changing their minds and how that affects policy and also just the way we view energy as a whole. But I was wondering about the role of the government in changing people's minds. Do you see that it's more the case that once the government enacts different policies, that changes how people are thinking? Or is it more the case that people have to change their minds first to get the ball rolling? And then that leads to more government support. Like what sorts of changes do we have to be making to get this process started so that we're all thinking about renewable energy and working to implement that together? Yeah, first is to learn that the fossil and nuclear business do not let alone the humankind. They made activities, campaigns to pollute the mind with their interests. In Germany, we had in 2010 a big campaign that nuclear power would be a good option. And without nuclear power, we could not save our security and energy system. And promptly in 2010, Chancellor Merkel canceled the nuclear phase out war, what we introduced in 2000. So you see these campaigns are very powerful, organized from the fossil and nuclear industry. But with Fukushima accident, we had big demonstrations with millions of people in Berlin in front of the um, parliament and Chancellor Merkel changed her mind and came also to phase out nuclear in 2011. But then the fossil and nuclear industry began to make a campaign against renewable energies. They would be too expensive. They cannot grow fast enough. They are fluctuable and cannot bring energy security. We need baseload for other energy securities, baseload with coal power and nuclear power and others. You know all these arguments. And the campaign are very, very strong. And when you discuss with the people, mostly they have these campaign arguments in their mind. And this makes it so hard to bring it out, to bring the truth to the mind. It is possible. We have all the technologies. Renewables are cheaper. They can save us for polluting and save us for climate warming. And this messages. This means when the government does not make these campaigns, we have to do it by ourselves. We have to collect money and organize worldwide campaigns with the positive benefits for renewable energies that the people learn it. And when the people learn it, then they Take part, they will follow. Who will not follow us with renewable energies when he learns, when I pollute the earth, it is too expensive for myself. I go to clean energy, it is cheaper. When he learns it in his mind, then he looks to the companies, how can I do it? He goes its way and more and more people will do it. And how can, yes, I mean, there seems to be such a swell at the moment and this interest and then going behind the scenes and it's become a, a big thing with divestment and uh, the links. There's this bond between uh, World Bank figures and the fossil industry. And when you look at the statistics, I mean, why is it that the, the, or the people and organizations who do the most damage to the planet are wealthier than 99% of the rest of the population? It's like someone trying to party until the very end and make all the mess and then leave the others to clean up. How do we better make these organizations and people accountable so that they can change their mind too? First, we must know how this system works. The big bosses in the oil companies and gas companies, nuclear companies, coal companies, car manufacturing with, with, with oil and airplanes with oil, and agriculture with oil and everywhere is oil. Oil stands in the center. And the big bosses who are the leaders of these companies, they are also the leaders of the finance, big finance infrastructure. In the World Bank, in the Asian Development Bank, this week, Asian Development Bank decided to stop all fossil and nuclear investment. No nuclear, I don't know, but all fossil investment. Very late. We organized in 2004 in the German parliament a decision that the German government 
as one of the owner of the World Bank, has to force the World Bank to stop all investment into fossil and nuclear. It was in 2004 when we decided in the parliaments, but the German government, it switched shortly afterwards to Chancellor Merkel, did not adopt this decision from the parliament. And they advocated the World Bank go on with fossil and nuclear investment. And they do it until today. And on the other side, the World Bank shows reports how difficult and how serious climate warming is, but they cause the climate warming. They are the basic that the world goes very fast to heat the world up. And therefore, we have to change also the system. It is not easy. One possibility is to go to justice court, to accuse them. We did it in Germany. And now the justice court decided, we mentioned it already, that the German government has much more to do with climate protection laws than it did in the past. And we have to accuse them on the Justice Court for Human Rights in Den Haag, for example, to accuse the managers of BP, of Shell, of Exxon, Saudi Aramco, Gazprom, and all these bosses, to accuse them that they pollute the world, they pollute the humankind, they are the cause that the humankind goes very fast away to the humankind extinction. We cannot allow them to do it. Accuse them, that's important. Now, talking about things on a global scale and the role of the World Bank, I was wondering about the role of renewable energy in developing countries that maybe have less infrastructure and resources than, for example, Europe. Is there a different role that maybe the government should be playing or a way to go about it that they could do from a new perspective of getting started? Or do you have any thoughts on that? For the developing countries, renewable energies is often the only option to bring electricity to the poorest of the poors. We see it in Africa. In some areas, they have now a small solar roof on their huts and can take part on mobile phone. When they would wait on the coal power station, thousand kilometers away with a grid, they would wait uh, 15 years longer. They would not have electricity. This shows that renewable energy are the only option to develop these underdeveloped countries because electricity stands in the center to fight against poverty. And therefore, they have to learn it. But unfortunately, in plenty of these countries, we have politicians in the government who are highly corrupted. They are taking part on the business. For example, Nigeria. I was sometimes in Nigeria, in Africa, the biggest nation with 120 million people. And Nigeria is very corrupted by the oil companies. Nigeria has a lot of oil. And I could not see... What happens in Nigeria? I could see a lot of people who have no electricity nearly four hours a day because the grid is not stable. And then they have an oil generator. I ask them, why do you take oil? Solar is much cheaper. Some people learned it and installed solar and batteries and they are happy. Now they have to pay nothing for oil and have electricity all the time. But people in Nigeria influence the mind. Solar is a fake. It does not work. It is too expensive. You cannot do it. They pollute the mind with wrong arguments. And therefore, they can go on with their business some more. And they corrupt the politicians to make no laws against it. So it is difficult, but when we have a developing of the underdeveloped countries, we have to go to 100% renewables. Otherwise, 
we have no development. So the primary breakdown of the energy that you see us getting is the solar and then the wind. And then I say it's augmented by these, these other renewables. And in terms of transport, coming primarily from solar and wind? Yes, indeed. And we are on a fast track on it. In 1992, I drove my first electric car. It was a very small car, only one seat and a very small range. But we were happy. We could drive with my solar energy from my roof to my, through my town and take my business in my town. Big eyes in the people. What's that? A crazy car. Will this be the future? So since this time, since 1996, I drive all oil-free cars, electric cars or vegetable oil cars. Today, I have only electric cars, no combustion engines, two ones, and we are very happy. And I see now the revolution in the world, how fast it comes. And I discussed with Volkswagen, with Daimler, as a parliamentarian already in 2000. We have to create clean cars, no air pollution, no climate gas emissions. They told me, yes, we go this way. Look to our design. You can buy an electric car in five years. I waited five years. There was no car what I could buy from the big companies. I waited 10 years. 15 years, nothing was done until Tesla came. Tesla went to clean renewable electric cars. First with the big ones for only for the richest people. Yes, it is on another way not possible because the new technologies have to be paid by the rich people. The poor people cannot pay it. The development of this technology and then the first Tesla and Tesla company was big enough. Then they created Tesla 3, a car for everyone. And this was a revolution. Now, Volkswagen, Daimler, and others could see, oh, Tesla is a bigger car company than we together. And they learned, we have also to go on electric way. And it was not only Tesla, Chinese companies, who no one knows in the Western Hemisphere, BYD or others. They are very, very in front of it. They mostly uh, bring electric cars to the Chinese market and a little bit to the foreign markets, but the Chinese market is so big that they can create plenty, plenty cars and cycles and others. And from China, we can learn another thing. Today, we have in Germany big motorcycles, very loud, very polluting. In China, 15 years ago, they profit, forbid such motorcycles. Since 2010, China in the big cities had only electric cycles. In five years, it was possible, a technology revolution. When the political will is there, then we can do it. But we must create by changing the minds of the politicians, the medias, the public discussion and others. We must change the mind that 100% renewables, clean transport is possible, will come. And nations who do, who do not take part will become the, the loser nations because the new technologies are the business of the futures, not the old one. And in terms of transport, yes, it's exciting to know that it's it's happening that way. In terms of air transport, what's on the horizon? We are cutting back, but what do you feel? Yeah, transport is more than cars and cycles. So what we need is fast trains like China does. China reduced a lot of airplane traffic by fast speed trains. All are electric and can be served by green electricity, solar, wind, and others. We need transport systems over the ocean. And the first is, you know, shipping is very, very important in the world. The main 
transport is by VERS, by shipping. When we go to a 100% renewable system, nearly half of the shippings is not necessary because the half of the shipping is transporting oil, LNG, coal, but we will not transport it. We have immediately and fast reducing of the shipping traffic when we go to 100% renewables. And the ships can be served by big wind sails, solar panels. We can take vegetable oil, not from a tree that is new seeded up on a rainforest area. We must save all the rainforest areas and other areas. But we could seed up vegetable oil in devastated land, in dry land. Yatrofa oil, for example. We have a new study included in our 100% renewable study. When we re-green arid land on the world to bring a lot of carbon sinks and green and biodiversity and others, bring income for the poorest of the poor, they live in the arid lands. Then we would have so plenty vegetable oil that we could replace all the air gasoline. So it would be possible. In, in terms of the vegetable oil, just excuse me for not knowing all the technologies. I mean, in terms of pollution in the environment, is it entirely clean? They are only clean when the agriculture is clean. When you have an agriculture with a high polluting, with mineral fertilizer, with pesticides and others, then you have not the clean oil. But when you go to organic farming with this agriculture, then you will have a very clean oil. For example, in Germany, the farmers seed uh, rapeseed. This rapeseed is an oil plant. They can press out the oil and the rest of the seed is a big uh, food for the cows. These farmers feed the cows with this oil plant and must not buy the food for the cows from Brazil who cuts the rainwood. So you see, when you organize it in a right way, you can do it. Yes, you are right. We can bring the oil, vegetable oil, to only to combustion engines. But today's technologies can clean them. So that the outcome of the combustion engines are very clean. It is not done by itself. We must organize it, but we can do it. And we should do it. Well, that's so hopeful and so interesting because I know it's hard. I mean, you have made the sacrifices and you've made the commitment and we're just looking at your beautiful home that you've designed, uh, well, with others, I imagine, but but people thinking about sacrificing their air travel and it's a little harder to do. I mean, obviously we've all done it in the last year. I just want to think about your your childhood and growing up in, in Hamelburg and how, you know, how did this love of the natural world come to you? You know, what are your memories of you know, the beauty and, and wonders of nature that really inspired you on this life's work? Yes, my child goes, and I'm very happy about this. My daughter, I have three children, two sons, one daughter. My daughter renovated my house's father. He has died 10 years ago. And she renovated it now with 100% renewable solar, solar heat solar electricity and heat pump to make the house warm in winter time and some others. They drive an electric car and they have a garden, grow their own groceries and have biodiversity in the gardens. It is very important to go in the gardens with high biodiversity, flowers and trees and others. So, and they try to make material business without any pollution, without any waste. They try to avoid any plastics. That's very important. No plastic from the supermarket when they buy in the supermarket. So they go a good way, very good. And we have a lot of the young generation in Germany who goes this way. I'm very hopeful that they make it more and more 
to a really revolution to 100% renewable and clean energy without any waste. And we haven't really discussed also your background because before you were an environmentalist, you were uh, physics, you're a teacher, you were just tell us a little bit about that path and how that may have helped you be the environmentalist you are today. Oh, I was environmentalist during my time as a teacher. It was not afterwards. I began to think as an environmentalist when I was 16 years old. It was the first time when my mind was growing up. And then when I studied physics, I learned a lot of how the world is polluted. Nothing is new. And I learned some very important studies in this time. One was the report of Club of Rome, who the first time showed the view to the limited resources on the world. And I was very influenced because it was the first time with the Club of Rome report that we could create on a laptop this growth rates, how the resources will come away from the world. So it was very interesting for me from a scientific report. And in the 70s, the Club of Rome scientific report with computer came later with 80, 1985 and, and afterwards, then we could organize it. But the study was in 1972. And in the same time, nearly in the same time, we could see that the OPEC canceled the oil business for the Western Hemisphere. Perhaps you can remember. It was a wonderful time for us. On a motorway, when we are only with a car under the way, on Sunday, we could drive with our cyclists because the car driving was not allowed because we had too less oil in our whole Germany landscape. So for, our, for us environmentalists, it was happy. We could make speed races on the motorways with cycling, though it was a wonderful time without oil. It's nearly without oil. But unfortunately, the government and others organized how can we get oil from others um, not only from the OPEC, and then began in Great Britain and in um, Russia and in plenty other nations, digging more oil and more oil, and the polluting of the world increased, instead it decreased. So I learned in this time a lot. And when I learned the OPEC crisis, I learned another thing. Oil business is the biggest one, and oil is scarcity. Therefore, the people fight for oil. When we look to the regions in the world where the war is, the, more is, the war is mostly because of oil. Look to Middle East, Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Syria, all are big oil regions. And the wars there are over oil. And the oil business is the most reason behind war. You had in USA, a very wonderful president, Jimmy Carter. He knows about this. He asked his scientists, what would be the best strategy for USA to come to peace? The answer of the scientist was, go to decentralized renewable energies. This is a pathway to the peace for USA. Unfortunately, Jimmy Carter had only one period followed by Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan canceled all this. First beginning of renewable energies and made the strategy, we will save the energy resources in the world by military. This was the seed for the wars in the world. When Jimmy Carter would have one period longer, the complete world would be more peaceful and not so polluted like we have it today. It's so, yes, Jimmy Carter is, is great. And I, yes, that seems like a, yes. And when you think about it for the, the world and how that 
It's, it's interesting because we need all of us to be a part of the solution, but the individual can do so much. And in terms of the, the ripples that what one voice can give spoken powerfully enough, spoken uh, long enough with a strong informed message. Uh, and that's certainly what uh, you've done throughout your career. And I guess just looking back and closing after all your years as an energy and climate change advisor and shaping environmental legislation, what lessons have been most valuable to you and what would you like young people to know, preserve and remember? Only one sentence. Never give up. Yes, never give give up, and you you certainly haven't. So thank you, Hans Joe, and thank and thank goodness for that. Uh, thank you, uh, Hans Joseph Fell, and uh, your group Energy Watch Group for all you have done to inspire and implement change, for helping mainstream green policies around the world, sharing strategies to create sustainable futures and address the most important issue of our time. Thank you for adding your voice to the One Planet podcast. Thank you. It was a great pleasure. Thank you for your wonderful world and your work. It will help to influence the mind of the people, young and elder people, to go away that we save the humankind society on this planet. Thank you. One Planet podcast is produced by The Creative Process. This interview was conducted by Mia Funk and Cleopatra El-Rashidi with the participation of collaborating universities and students. Associate interviews producer on this podcast was Cleopatra El-Rashidi. Digital media coordinator is Hannah Story Brown. Theme music is written and performed by Juan Sanchez. We hope you've enjoyed this program. If you would like to get involved in One Planet podcast and be part of the climate change solution, just drop us a line at team at oneplanetpodcast.org. Thank you for listening.